have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? Well, here we are in the month of June, right? My birthday month, holla! Yes, my birthday month. And you all know how I feel about birthdays, right? You all know how I feel about birthdays. And this year, my birthday falls on a Sunday. But no, I won't be here. I decided to take that day off. So we'll talk about that as it gets closer. But 
what are we going to talk about today? Oh, so today we're going to continue in the book of Zephaniah and he's one of the minor prophets. And as we were doing our series on the minor prophets, he's the next one in line, right? So Zephaniah, he actually came from a godly line. He was the great, great grandson of the godly king Hezekiah. And Zephaniah's name actually means the Lord is hidden or it means the Lord is protected. And now it's it's rumored to have been said that the reason why his name was Zephaniah, meaning the Lord has hidden, because he was actually born during the reign of the terror king Manasseh. So people believe that because he was born under that king, he was hidden. That's why his name is Zephaniah, because God was protecting him. Because you know back then when the kings didn't like somebody or when they wanted to make sure that nobody else was coming along to take their place, they would kill all the firstborns. They would kill all the young kids. Kings back then that were treacherous, they didn't care. They just killed everybody. So what what is being said is that Zephaniah, God protected him so that he would be able to deliver this message when it came time for him to deliver it. And that's something for all of us to remember that when we have a purpose that God has for us to do, and everyone is set here on earth to do something, whether it be grand, whether it be small, the size of it is not important. We put it as it's important, but in God's eyes, everything is important. And when he gives you a task, he's going to keep you covered until the day that your task has to be fulfilled. And some people will say, oh, well, what about the people that just, you know, they just die and, you know, are you trying to say that they didn't have a task? No, I'm not saying that they didn't have a task. But what I'm saying is they didn't choose to fulfill their task. So God's not going to break your arm to make you fulfill your task. Yes, he'll give you something to do. And he knows those who are going to do it and those who aren't going to do it. And when you don't do it or when he knows that it's come to the time where you've come to the time and you realize you're not going to do it, somebody else gets it. Just like take case in point, Esau and Jacob. God knew that Esau wasn't going to be the one to get the birthright. He knew it from when they were fighting in Rebecca's womb. But it wasn't for Rebecca to meddle and start doing things to make it come to fruition faster, but God knew already. He knew the nature of who Esau was. He knew the nature of who Jacob was. So I say that to say with Zephaniah, people say that his name is what it is because God protected him for the appointed time of where he had to deliver this message. So today 
We're going to actually look at the message that Zephaniah had to deliver to the people of Judah. So his theme, as many before him, beware of the day of the Lord. Now we've seen this run through all of the minor prophets. It's God giving the prophet a message to give to the people of either Judah or all the other, you know, the Israelites or the neighboring people around them. God was always sending them a message. So, as with the rest, beware of the day of the Lord. The day when God will come and deal with his enemies. Or so the Jewish people thought. Because when they kept hearing the prophet saying, beware of the day of the Lord, God is coming in judgment. They always thought it was everybody else. And let's begin with chapter 1, starting with verse 1 to 7. The word of the Lord came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of uh, Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Hosiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off every trace of Baal from this place. The names of the idolatrous priests with the pagan priests, those who worship the host of heaven on the housetops, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but who also swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. Be silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guests. So that was the word of the Lord that Zephaniah received. And I only read seven verses. It, the, the whole first chapter talks about what God is telling the people he is going to do with them. And I really hope that when we're going over these books, that you do actually go back and read the actual book so you can get the full story and understanding for yourself. So we hear just in the first couple of verses what God was saying, right? So we pick it up in verse 14 till the end of chapter one. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out, the day of the the day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloomness, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust 
and their flesh-like refuge. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. Now, according to the word from the Lord to Zephaniah, God is coming. And he's coming to deal with all those who are against him. And also he's coming to deal with his people as well. So let's go back up into the beginning of the verse, right? Because there was a lot there. There was a lot there. And when you just first read it, you're like, I don't think God is joking. And when you hear that, he says, I'm going to consume everything from the face of the land, man and beast, birds of the heaven, fish of the sea. What does that sound like? What does that sound like? He's naming every creature that he created. Meaning when you think back to where he said to Noah, build the ark, because I'm going to just wipe this place clean. Right? And we all know when God says things like that, it happens. It happened in Noah's time. But here he's saying he's going to stretch out his hand against Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He's going to cut off every trace of Baal in this place. And then as we jump down to 14, to the end of that chapter, he says how mighty men will cry out. It's going to be a day of wrath, trouble, and distress. And not even your money is going to be able to save you. So see, God here, he's telling the people, he's coming to judge, to correct the issue of practicing religion without having a relationship. Because remember back then, they were following the the priest of Baal. They were, uh, Ashra, I believe, was Baal's companion. And they were worshiping these gods that the pagan people worshiped instead of worshiping the God who delivered them from the Egyptians, who delivered them into their promised land, who had been carrying them from day one. And when you think about it, too many of us are doing what we feel is right because we're doing that way for years in our church But when you think about it, didn't COVID teach us anything? When COVID shut down the nations and the entire world, and that's why I say nations because it wasn't just here. When COVID shut down the world, wasn't it showing us that we weren't supposed to be moving in the same manner as we were moving before? And that we should kind of look at things differently now? So he's coming to judge the double-minded thinking. Those of us who are serving to gods. And let me ask you a question. How many of you are serving to gods? Because Jesus told us in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. 
So how many of us are doing that? In the time of Zephaniah, they were serving Baal and the Lord. They were doing both. They was going to the temple of Baal, giving him his sacrifices, and then they were going to the temple, giving God his sacrifices. Who are you really praying to? Who are you really trusting to give you what it is that you need to get? So I ask, in our case, what is it? Do we have another God that we outright call on and worship? Only you can answer that question. And the the answer is different for all of us, right? Some may have the love of money as their God. Some may have the love of their careers. Look what I've achieved. Look where I'm at today. Some may have the love of their talent. Who can sing better than me? I'm the star. I sell out stadiums. I sell out arenas. Who acts better than me? I'm the highest paid actor there is on the planet. Who cooks better than me? I'm the top chef. Some may have love of their cultures. One that affords them certain privileges over others. Like I stated, only you know what God you serve. And according to the Lord, God, and Christ, if it's not the true and living God, then you're going to be judged. But his judgment is not only coming against those who don't relate to him in the right way. It's also coming against those of how we relate, how we relate to one another. Right? So the people are called to seek righteousness and to see humility. Because at the, Jew, the Jewish people at that time, and some would say today too, now when I make this statement, don't take me the wrong way. Right? But the Jewish people back then thought that they were covered and they were saved from the wrath of God because, hello, we're Jews. And let me be clear. In the days of old when Zephaniah's book was taking place, when it was actually written, they knew who were the Jews and who weren't. Because it was clear, because they were practicing outright and you saw it. But today... Can we really say we know who the real Jewish people are? Because think about it. God scattered the Jews. He scattered them. So if you scatter something, that means that it can end up in any nation. Correct? But since Christ came and shed his blood, He grafted us all into the kingdom of God. So when we speak about the day of the Lord today, we're speaking about those who believe in God, who believe in Christ, who believe in the Holy Spirit. And any other light is an enemy to God. 
And that's according to the word of Zephaniah, because God was saying, if it wasn't for, if you're not worshiping me, then you're not worshiping, you're not worshiping correctly. So now when we go into chapter two, this is what Zephaniah tells the people. Gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, O undesirable nation, before the decree is issued or the day passes like chafe, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. So Zephaniah is making a plea to the people. Look, get your act together. What are you doing? Don't you understand how important this is? And see, when God sends a message like that, it's not that he's looking for you to climb Mount Everest. All it takes is a change of heart. And that's what people don't even seem to understand today. When God is crying out, seek me, it's just a change of heart. He's not asking you to run for office and solve world hunger. If that's your calling, that's one thing. Yes. But the average person, just anybody, God could use anybody to do anything. But his number one thing that he's looking for, that change of your heart, that change of your attitude. And a lot of people, as back then, just like they do now, are walking around like they're God. Like, They are in control of everything going on, making decisions that other people have to follow, but are only in the best interest of themselves. And God's like, enough of this. And Zephaniah, after chapter one, when you read that and everything that God puts out that he's going to do to the people Zephaniah is pleading to them. Look, get it together, people. Look, let's all get together before the decree is issued. We still we still have a chance to beat this. We know the day of the Lord is coming, but we have a chance to beat this. Before the day of the Lord's anger comes, seek God. That's all he's saying to them. Seek God before he really comes. And this was the warning of what the children of Judah should have been doing as it is a warning to us today. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, I'm prophesying doom and gloom and, oh, fire and brimstone is going to rain down. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is he's calling us to be mindful of what is at hand. And then he's letting you know what is going to come if you're not mindful. See, God always gives you that choice. He always sets before you, as he said, I set before you when he said in Deuteronomy, 
blessings and curses. I give you a choice. It's like both of his hands are out and you get to choose. You want the blessing or you want the curses? If you want the blessings, then you know what to do to get them. If you want the curses, then you know what to do to get those too. We all have a choice in what we receive. Too many times in the Minor Prophets, God gave a word of warning, right? He went to the prophet, take this to the people, tell them this, this is what I'm going to do. And the thing about it that I, the thing that we have to love about God is he doesn't just say, oh, I'm going to get you. He doesn't say that. You know what he says? He gives you line by line of what he's going to do. So there is no way anyone can stand and say, oh, you didn't say you were going to. Oh, yeah, he did. He puts outline into outline. Just like I said, I, I hope everyone goes back and they read the books after I'm talking about them so that you can get the full story. Because, you know, I'm just giving you bits and pieces of it because we're only on here for an hour. But I want you to get the gist of the story. God says, I will consume man and beast. I will consume everything from the face of the land. The face of the land, what? Isn't the land what we walk on? The fish of the sea. All the stumbling blocks along with the wicked. Anything that I see that's in my way, I'm destroying. So, No one can ever say, he didn't say that. He didn't say if we didn't do this, he was going to do that. He always makes it plain. It's just all about what you decide you want to listen to. Right? So, too many times, God has given the prophet a word for them to take to the people. And at this point, I'm not even going to differentiate whether it's Jewish people or their enemies to take to the people. Cause right now today he's taking the word to the people. He's not separating this one from that one. And back then you could even see he had stopped separating this one from that one. The only way he had separated Jews from the others is because the Jews knew better. So he was really holding them accountable because he had already shown them, told them, had them following what he wanted them to do. And they just totally disregarded it. So it's not like the wrath on the other people that didn't know was going to be any harsher, but he really was going to the Jewish people because he was like, how dare you? You know me. That's like you living in the house with your parents and then your friends come over. Your friends don't know what the rules of the house are, but you know what the rules of the house are. So when something happens and your friend does something and you did something, who's catching it? You are. Because they're looking at you like, you live here with me. You know better than this. They don't know. They're just coming in. You know better and you still defy me. That's what God was saying. So if we take the warnings, right, that God gave the people back then through the minor prophets, And if we know him to be a true God, that his word stands true yesterday, today, and forever, 
then should we not be listening to everything that is being said in these books as well? Hmm. It's time for us to take a music break. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like.
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Whew. Powerful. Our music today, we started out with Making Changes, which is our intro, by Grace. And then God took us back. God took us back to remember. We had our musical interlude came from Richard Smallwood today. Total Praise was the first song we heard. And Trust Me was the second one. Now, you know we always say, oh, don't look back. You can't look in the rearview mirror. You got to keep looking forward. How are you going to go forward if you don't look back, right? And in the case of Lot's wife, that was true. She looked back, but she was looking back on sin. So that's why she turned into a pillar of salt. But sometimes God wants you to look back so that you can remember the things that he's done for you in your life. And if you don't take that time to look back, you'll forget the blessings that he bestowed on you. And you'll just be running, running, running not settling and understanding who he is. So sometimes we have to look back on his goodness, on his mercy, on the grace that he has put on our lives. So when you hear people say, oh, don't look back. How are you going to move forward if you don't look back? Sometimes you have to just stand still and look back just for a moment. And remember who he is, what he has done, what he's capable of doing in order to fully understand the person that he is, the being that he is, the spirit that he is. Powerful. Powerful. We're now going to go to the part of the story that I call, or the part of the show that I call, Op-Ed. And in the Op-Ed portion today, Zephaniah, if you look at the book of Zephaniah, it could we could take that book and think of it like a prelude to what we see in the New Testament. And it's because when we when god 
gave messages to the prophet. Sometimes, as I said, sometimes the prophets were used to give a message for right now. Like the prophet would come and give you a message to show you what you're doing right there at that moment. You know what? Hmm. Or show you the errors of your ways right there, right then in the time of when you're doing it. Sometimes the prophets had messages to give you a warning. Look, this is what God is saying. He's giving you X amount of time. Like with the people of Nineveh, when Jonah had to go to them, he gave them three days. Look, in such and such amount of time, this is what's going to happen if you don't change your ways. Here, Zephaniah is telling the people, along like with the others, the day of the Lord is coming. You don't know when it's coming, but you know it's coming. And you know exactly how he's going to deliver it on you because he told you. He gave them case by case, blow by blow, everything that he was going to do. So when we think about it, When we think of it now, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord with God coming in judgment, our, in the New Testament, because of the New Testament, our day of the Lord is Christ coming back. That's our day of the Lord. Oh, he's going to return. Yeah, he's going to return. And when he said he was coming back, he was coming back with a vengeance. He was coming back to judge. So, when we hear the day of the Lord is coming, As we're doing now, oh, you see, wars and rumors of wars, the day of the Lord is coming. Okay, yeah. Oh, you see, this is happening, famine in the land, the day of the Lord is coming. Okay, yeah. But there was always, the day of the Lord was always coming because he had told the people back then, just as he warned us now, he's coming. But it wasn't for us to look at the signs to decide when the day of the Lord was going to happen, it was for us to prepare ourselves because we knew he was coming. That's what God was telling the prophets to tell the people. Not that I want you to, oh, if the sky gets black, I'm coming. Oh, if your cattle die, I'm coming. No. I want you to get your life right before I come. That's what he's saying to us. So, We have to make sure that we're living our lives in the manner that is pleasing to to God for when he returns. Because number one, as he here, this is what I want people to, to realize and remember. We know he's coming. He said it numerous times over and over and over. So him not coming, that's not even an argument anymore. You know he's coming. You just don't know when he's coming. And because you don't know when he's coming, and everyone says, oh, well, the book says that he's not going to come until everyone on earth has heard the word, has heard that he is who he is, and then he has to give them a chance to decide. Really? Does he? What about people who are pregnant? Their child is not born yet. Oh, well, they could hear the mother's voice because she knows so the baby would. Mm. 
We always want, man always wants to put a stipulation on, he's not going to do this until. We don't know when he's coming. That's the bottom line of the story. That's the end of the story. We don't know when he's coming, but we all know that he is coming. So because we know he is coming, we shouldn't be trying to to figure out or detect when he's coming. We should always be ready for when he comes. So we wait in anticipation of his return by living correctly. Dealing with one another correctly. And when I say dealing with one another, as I had mentioned earlier, that when, when I said about the Jews, the Jews looked at themselves and, ah, he's not going to touch us, we're his chosen people. But you don't know who a Jew is. Because he scattered them, remember? He scattered them. So when you're scattered, when you drop a glass on the floor, the glass breaks and it shatters and it scatters. And anyone who has ever dropped a glass on the floor, you know you'll see the big chunks where you know it's glass. Oh, yeah, you know that's glass because you see it. It's a piece of glass. But then there's those little fine slivers those shards of glass that's on the floor that sometimes you don't even know it's still there. Even after you've cleaned up, you've swept up all the giant pieces that you see that you know are glass. But then it could be a month later where you're cleaning and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know the glass that came all the way over. It could be all the way on the other side of the room that you had no clue that it had went that far. Or if you don't, because normally when we used to drop glass in the house, my mother would always say, after you sweep it, take a damp cloth, not the mop, because you're always going to use the mop again, but take a damp cloth and wipe over the area that you dropped it because you want to clean up the little fine pieces of glass that could still be on the floor that you can't see but are still there. So if you think of the Jewish people like that when God scattered them, you don't know who's Jewish and who's not. You don't know who's, when we're using the glass as an example, you don't know what glass is where after you think you've seen all the big pieces of glass and taken care of it, you don't know what other glass is still around or could have been on the other side of the room. And that's when he's talking about dealing with one another correctly. See, because you don't know who someone is and you don't know what their background is, and a lot of them don't know that they are, there's a lot of people walking around today that don't know who they are. So because none of us are aware, we have to be mindful of how we deal with one another because you don't know who you're talking to. Like when Jesus said, you have to be careful when you're talking to people because you might be entertaining an angel. So 
if you might be entertaining an angel and that's a heavy, a heavenly being, what about the humans that you're right there in front of every day that you know have flesh and blood that walk and breathe and go to work and have kids? And what about them? So we have to be mindful how we deal with each other. And that's what God was trying to reiterate to the people over and over and over. Because remember I told you how they was stealing the, the land from each other and setting each other up and doing all these under-the-table deeds. And uh-uh. And that was Jewish people to Jewish people. They knew it was other Jewish people they were doing it to. So if they knew, if they could see and they know you're a Jew, but I'm still going to, I'm still going to swindle you out or whatever. What were they doing to the people that weren't Jewish or so they thought weren't Jewish? And that's what the question is today. Because we don't know, really, think of the glass. Yeah, you see the big chunk of glass. So you see the big chunk as, oh, that's glass. But what about the little shards, like I said, or the piece that went all the way across to the other side of the room that you didn't even realize was over there? We have to be mindful how we interact with one another. And not just what suits your family, what suits your neighbors, who are your friends, or the people on the block that you happen to like, everyone. Right? And that's kind of hard. I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy. It's hard. Because look, look at what's happening in our city right now. It's a hard pill to swallow. Look at what's happening in our country right now. It's a hard pill to swallow. Some people are having difficulty with, hmm, why do I have to be the one that blah, blah, blah? You know, and I'm sure it runs through all of our minds at one time or another. And the reason why I say that is because, yes, we try to be like Christ, but we're not like Christ. So let's just get that straight. We try every day to be like him, but we're not. We know there's times where people get on our last nerve. Come on. Yes, but we have to catch ourselves and be mindful that the grace he gave to us, we have to give to others as well. But I don't mean that it don't run through your mind. So don't even act like, oh, I don't know what she's talking about because I'm always so. No, you're not. And I'm going to say, no, you're not. And you can challenge me if you want to. But if you're human, then there's no way that you're always perfect. Because if you were always perfect, then you would have came and he didn't have to, right? Hmm. But because he had to, that's testimony right there that you're not. And I'm not. Don't think that when I say this, I'm leaving me out of the equation. I'm the first one in front of the line. And I don't mind saying it. And you know why I don't mind saying it? Because when you say it and you own it, then it holds you accountable, not to others, yes, to others, yes, but more so to yourself that you opened your mouth and you said it. So now it's for you to do something about it. So all those who want to sit back and be like, oh, know what she's talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And until you can confess it to yourself, you're never going to change. And that's what God is looking for. Own it. Because I see it. He sees it. That's what he's saying. He said, I want you to own it because I see it. I don't want you to keep hiding behind. Oh, well, I give my tithes. Oh, I help out in the pantry. Oh, I have community service on Saturdays. No. 
He's like, yeah, you do all that, but where's, where's that heart of yours? Where's that relationship that you're supposed to have with me? You can't even have that relationship with the person down the block. I see my time is growing short. The book of Zephaniah ends as the other books ends as well. If we're going to change our lives, our lives have to start with how we treat each other. But, like I said, the book of Zephaniah ends on a good note as all the other books of the minor prophets end on because God is always going to take care of you. At the end of the day, he gives you his doom and gloom. He tells you what he's going to do to you. The prophets plead to the people, please do the right thing because this is what he said he's going to do. And then at the end they say, but if you do the right thing, this is what God is going to do. So God is going to take care of us. After our punishment, which is just because we bring it on ourselves, he will take care of us and shower us with all his love. Because at the end, he just wants to love. He just wants to love and he just wants us to love. And that ends up ed. So, it's a new month, so we have to follow our word of the month. It's June. Our word of the month is seditious, inciting or causing people to rebel against the authority of the state. What do we have coming before us, Lord? (laughs) Seditious. And our promise for the month is coming from, for the month, for the week is coming from Mark 8, 36 to 38. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. With that, I say, my beloveds, have a wonderful rest of your day. Read the books. If you missed any of my other shows, go back on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Go to my show page. Go into my archives. Check me out on Spotify, on Apple on all other podcast platforms, get an understanding of what God is telling us here. Get an understanding because that's the only way you're going to know. So you can't be caught out there with the look on your face like, I didn't know, and you did know, right? So be safe. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And until God brings us together again next week, let me see what I'm going to have take us out today. I think I'm going to have, let me see. I think I'm going to have, we'll continue with Richard Smallwood. It's the postlude of trust. Have a blessed Sunday.